Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. too. Amen. Amen. And, and, and if you're not, you ought to be. Amen. Praise God. Two Sundays ago, I, I started, I stated that God has declared war on the devil and the manifestations of the devil in our world. And he has done this through the person and ministry of Jesus Christ, who preached the kingdom of God has come. Jesus began by calling to himself followers, disciples, who would accept him as their Lord and King and join him in the ongoing war, the ongoing war against evil through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus states in John chapter 20 and verse 21, As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. And 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 says, The reason, the reason the Son of God appeared, was to destroy the works of the devil. Now, I hope you are traveling with me logically here. I'm saying God started a movement, a movement against Satan and his works. He started that movement by sending Jesus to introduce it, to empower it, to die so that those who embraced it would have the power they need to continue it. And that Jesus gathered together a group of followers, disciples, taught them, trained them, 
and enlisted them to join him in destroying the works of the devil. I also argued then that the ploy of the devil, who did not roll over and play dead, the ploy of the devil is to distract those people so that they would see other things as a higher priority than the Lord's business. If he can distract God's people from fulfilling the task that God has for them, he will prevent them from being able to continue what Jesus began to do and teach. Does that make sense so far? I think that that's a very smart move because if you can't beat people, at least if you distract them, they can't do you any harm. I argued further that the, the way to fight distraction, because I think if we were honest, we would say, that yes, the church of Jesus Christ, not only South Bay, but the church of Jesus Christ has been distracted. And the way to fight distraction is to revisit and reclaim our true identity. We are children of God. We are the sheep of his pasture. His spirit lives in his people. Are you following me so far? Now, Pastor Murphy picked it up last week, and he continued the theme by declaring that we are, in fact, the one, using the concept that was communicated through the movie The Matrix, was Neo the one? Use that theme to say, yes, we are the one called, anointed, equipped, ordained to continue what Jesus began to do and teach to save humanity from its awful plight. Are you with me so far? I need to lay all this groundwork because the rest of what I'm going to say don't make sense if we haven't tracked along this far. So every now and then I'm going to stop and say, are you with me? That means, are you tracking with me? Does that make sense so far? Okay. So I am here this morning to tell you that the devil does not give up an inch without a fight. Jesus may have come, but the devil didn't say, okay, it's yours. He doesn't roll over and just give in just because we're here. And so this morning, I want to share with you how he fights, how he responds, how he, he initiates his plan to thwart what God is trying to do in the world. If he can no longer distract us, if our eyes are open, remember, 
We ate the red pill. If our eyes are open, it means he can no longer distract us from understanding what our role is on this planet. If he can no longer distract us, he then will do his best to intimidate us. If I cannot stop you, I'll scare you as much as I can from doing what it is that God has called you to do. And so in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 and 9 says this, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. What do I do? Verse 9, resist him. Stand firm in your faith. James chapter 4, verse 7. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Two of the apostles responding to the realization that we are in a battle with the evil one tells us how to respond to his intimidation. Both cases, they say, resist him. Resist him. In other words, the devil is a bully. And bullies thrive off of intimidation. What makes a bully a bully is his capacity to intimidate. Bullies aim at your view of yourself. And while what a bully says to you may not be true, if you believe it, if you believe it's true, bullies will act accordingly. Now, you, now, now let me know you got that. Okay, let, let me say it again. What a bully does is he zeroes in on what you think about yourself. He will magnify that with lies. He will tell you what he wants you to believe about yourself. Once you believe it and succumb to it, then the bully acts according to what you believe. Amen. That's why I had us rehearse two Sundays ago our identity, because identity is an important component when dealing with a bully. You remember I had you say, I am a son of God. I am a child of God. I've been a new creation. I am a saint of God. Went through all of that because identity is key to be able to withstand what the bully wants you to believe. You see, bullies count on your cooperation. When you consent to their lies about you, they need you to agree with what they say about you. They need you to agree with the way in which they depict you. But once you refuse to agree and stand up to a bully, 
Once you will not allow yourself to buy in to what the bully says about you and you stand up to the bully, then the bully backs down because you have not given him consent or cooperation with what he is saying about you. You got that? Say amen. The devil is a master, a master of using intimidation. He uses intimidation to keep us from being about the Father's business. Now, let me tell you how he does that. He intimidates us with what I'm going to call unhealthy comparisons. Comparisons is one of his strongest weapons to intimidate us into not acting. It fits so well with our culture because everything we do in this culture is evaluated. America thrives off of evaluations. You start getting evaluated when you're in kindergarten. Everything about us gets evaluated. Our weight gets evaluated. So they march across the stream, some beautiful, slim, gorgeous woman. Or they'll march across the stream, some hunky man. So that you start feeling something's wrong with me. Because I don't look like that. Come on, church. I don't look like that. So you start evaluating whether it's weight, whether it's looks, whether it's hair, no matter what it is, we're all caught in this web of comparison. The devil uses that craft. He twists that comparison curse and it makes us feel small and inadequate and never good enough to engage in what God calls us to do. Most of us struggle with feeling good enough. You listen to people on television. I lost 10 pounds, and now I feel good about myself. I colored my hair, and now I feel good about myself. I got a new suit, and now I feel good about myself. You see, all of us are struggling with this not feeling good about ourselves. Are you with me? Say amen. And so the devil whispers, he whispers in our ears, look at Harry, look at George, look at Mary Sue, they have it, you don't, you don't have anything. The devil will say, look at them, they are smart, you're not smart, you're not smart enough to do that. The devil will say, boy, they got a lot of talent. You don't have much talent, do you? You don't, you, you've got very limited talent. And so you, the devil says, they, they know how to do things. You don't know how to do anything. And so you sit and you listen to his lies and you buy his lie because his lie provides you an excuse for not engaging in the mission. Now, I threw that in there. You were going with me. That. And I threw that in right there where you wasn't waiting for it. You weren't looking for that. See, once you buy the lie, it becomes a reason for not doing. 
So the devil keeps whispering how inadequate you are. It's a lie. You know it's a lie. The devil says you don't have any talent. It's a lie. You know you have talent. The devil says you can't sing as good as so-and-so. So? He lies to highlight our faults. He lies to highlight our our inabilities. He lies so that our our failures become more more visible to us. Lies that are designed. The lies are designed to create in us uneasiness and fear so so that we don't even try to do what God's called us to do because we have bought the lie. Sometimes... Sometimes the lie comes from people we thought were on the Lord's side with us. See, just like God's Spirit uses us, and sometimes we don't even know God is using us. We don't know until after the fact that God has been using us. Sometimes the devil uses us. And sometimes he uses us to help perpetuate a lie that he's already been telling somebody. And then he whispers through the ear to to the person who we are being used, who we are putting down, who we are making fun of. He uses us and the devil just says, you see, I told you, you don't have nothing. Even Sam knows you don't have nothing. Okay, first you sow the seed. The idea, you're here to save the world? That's a bunch of baloney. You're not really believing that, are you? Has the devil said that to you yet? You're here to make a change in the world? That's a bunch of baloney. You're not really believing you're going to change the world? You really think you're going to make a difference in the world? Little old you, you really think you're going to do something? And then there's the... The, the, the seed of doubt has been sown in Neo's mind. He walks away. Then the scene sifts. It's as though he's having a conversation with the devil. Smith looks just like the devil. Calm, cool, sunglasses covering those tricky eyes moving around. What do you want? Devil, perfect. What do you want? The devil will sow those little seeds. What do you want? What do you really want? What can I get for you? You really want to be loyal? You really want to follow Christ? Is that what you really want? Don't you want what Joe has? Don't you want to be like Sam? Don't you want to be like Mary? Don't you want this? What do you want? And so if he falls for it, even though he's eaten a steak that he can't really taste, and he says, I know this is not real, It's just like us in this world. We say, all this stuff that we're chasing, it doesn't satisfy. We know it doesn't satisfy, but we keep chasing it anyway. After the people who've gotten it tell us, this is not it. Happiness is not here. I've got all the money I can spend, and I'm still unhappy. I've done everything in this world, and I'm still unhappy. That's the same thing he said. He said, I'm eating this thing. I know it's not real, but I'm eating it anyway. And that's what the devil does to us. He knows we know. But then he keeps on telling us, you know, what do you want? What do you want? 
One of the great problems I think we have in the Christian family is the realization that sometimes those inside do more to hurt the cause of Christ than those who are the declared enemies of the cross. All of us have to be careful. We have to be careful not to let the devil use us to hinder God's work in this world by what we say to one another. God never puts people down. Do you hear me? God does not put people down. God builds people up. If somebody says something that's tearing you down, that's not coming from God. That's coming from someplace else. God has too much faith in you. He's already put too much in you to be tearing you down. God doesn't tear people down. Amen. 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 And if you were to study lies in the scripture, you would notice that they fall into two categories. The devil's lies tend to overestimate his strength. He has a knack for making a molehill look like a mountain. If you remember the familiar story in in Numbers chapter 13, where Moses has sent the spies up to check out the land. They go and check out the land. They come back and they give a report. The report they give to Moses, yes, the land flows with milk and honey. But the cities are big. The cities are walled. The people are big. We cannot take possession of the land. You see, the devil always, always makes what's going on worse and bigger than it actually is. Always. How did they know that they looked like grasshoppers in the sight of the people? They were spies. They didn't talk to them. They went in. They snuck around. They did their little surveillance, came back and gave their report. And the report they gave was, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. Did somebody tell you that? Was there somebody in that city that said you're like grasshoppers to us? No, nobody talked to them. Nobody told them they looked like grasshoppers. That was their own perception. And once you have that kind of perception, the enemy will build on that perception to make you do what he wants you to do. Amen. (laughs) Second thing, the devil's lies tend to underestimate your experience and resources. He will always make his thing look bigger than it is. And he'll always make what you have and what you've experienced to be smaller than it is. Caleb speaks up when the guys say we can't take the land. Caleb says, listen, we can go up. We can take possession of the land. We can do it. And the guys spoke, oh, no, 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 we can't do it. We can't go up there. They, we can't attack those people. They're too big for us. There's too many of them. They even run down all the different people that lived in the suburbs. They named every single one of them, the Jebusites and the Amulites, and went on through and just added to the, they just added to the problem, making the problem seem even bigger and bigger. And then they repeated, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. You see, the problem starts with how we view ourselves. The devil looks at how you view yourself. That's why identity is so important, to know that you're a child of God, and you can stand up to things when you know you're a child of God. Amen. So I call this the look at us syndrome. 
The look at us syndrome is always looking at what we don't have. It's always looking at what we lack. It's always reminding us of what we can't do. It's like when we started this church 30 years ago. Down in that little, that little strip there on, on whatever street that was. I don't even remember. And we, and, we, and, we, and, we, and we found out that this property was available. And they told us you're going to need $90,000 just to make a down payment on it. And we, we had less than 100 people. And where in the world were we going to get $90,000? And we got together and we said, well, you know, we've been saving a little bit. We got $30,000, $90,000. Can't even talk without $90,000. Do you know that little people got together and got $90,000? You say, where did that come from? I don't know. God just has a way of making things happen. He has a way. And there's always people in the group who tells you you can't. We can't do that. We can't pull that off. We can't build that. There will always be people who will be the spokespersons for the evil one who highlights your reality rather than looking at what God can do through our lives. Amen. 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 The Bible says with God anything, anything is possible. If you listen to the devil's lies, it will make a coward out of you. If you buy his lie, you will not do anything. He lies, his lies will make you think you're alone. Even though Jesus already told you that wherever you go, I will never leave you or forsake you. His lies will make you think you can't win. Even though Jesus already told you, everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. His lies will make you think you should quit, stop, don't try, can't do it. Even though Jesus already told you, don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you don't quit. Amen. Amen. When you believe the devil's lies, you act on those lies. When you believe the lie, you act on the lie. In the matrix, you just saw a cipher saying, that he didn't buy that bull. He tells Neil, I don't believe that. And then he acts on his belief. I hope you uh, caught the words in the last clip. You see what it said? System failure. Being the one means living outside of the system that controls or attempts to control us. There's another scene right before that ending where you've got Neo and he's about to die and you've got uh, Morpheus and two of the other Trinity and, and the guy who, Tank, who's there. I want to draw a connection because that's actually my favorite scene in the movie. It looks like Neo's about to die. He's looks like he's done for. And you've got the three people that have been around him the whole time. Do you know you can't be the one by yourself, by the way? 
<laughs> but he's got these three people around him and Morpheus, Morpheus is there and he can't believe that this is the end because he has so much faith in Neo being the one you had Tank who was the operator who's devastated because he was from the very beginning hoping that Neo was going to be the one and then you had Trinity who ends up bringing him back to life because she loved him faith hope and love but the greatest of these the greatest of these is love the way we break the system is to love beyond what we think we can the way we resist and defeat the devil is loving people who are part of the system and are treating us like we're in the system because we have a vision beyond the system. And I just want us to end with this thought. Now that I've taken the pill and I've been set free, am I ready to love don't know what God has been putting on your hearts and minds but I wanted us to leave this time of worship by allowing God to speak powerfully to us and affirming our commitment to be part of his mission to break the systems of this world one person, one life, one choice at a time so I want to invite anyone up who may just want a moment of prayer, who's made a decision, who's looking for some courage, who's tired of being caught in these same destructive cycles and is looking to be the one in whatever way God has called you. So I just want us to shut our hearts and minds in. You can make an altar right where you are. You can come up to the front. We're just going to have a moment for the spirit to speak. And then I'm going to pray for those who are looking for the courage and the power to be what God has called you to be.
situation is. and 
every day from the plots of the enemy. So God, I don't know what my brothers and sisters are facing. I don't know what their challenges are, but I praise you because you ordained them to come before you this day to declare that they will be victorious by the power of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you let them know that they are the one, the one that you saw that was in a faraway land, the one that you called out of their situations, the one that you delivered when they were in the mud pit far from their father's house. You called them home and you ran to them and you're putting your cloak on them and you're putting your ring which seals them for eternity with you. And you said, this one is mine, devil. You can't have this one. And I, I, I myself will bring my child home. God, I pray that you send those around them who will speak words of power and encouragement and truth and victory and light and love. And Father, when the enemy tries to creep back in, when he tries to use those around them to speak those lies that were there for years and, and, and the lies and the deceit that has got them distracted and moving in the wrong direction, God, remind them that they can say just as you did, get thee behind me, Satan, because I'm on a mission for my Lord. Father, I pray all these things and I pray that your spirit covers them from the soles of their feet to the top of their head. There is victory in no other name but Jesus. And so we declare this day that you are worthy of the praise and that we, we, Father, will be powerful instruments in your hand. Bless each person in this place and remind us that our beginning has no determination on our end. Father, we thank you for the victory. We thank you for the mercy. We thank you for forgiveness. And we ask that we walk and talk and speak and be a powerful witness to the glory of our God. And all God's children said amen. Hallelujah. Give them a praise. Give them a hand praise. In the name of Jesus, the victory is already won. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.